buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. In the world of sales, you either sink, swim, or break through to the next level. My name's Colin Mitchell, and this is Sales Transformation, a new kind of sales show designed to bring you through the epic, life-changing moments of elite sellers so you can experience your own sales transformation. Welcome to another episode of Sales Transformation. As always, today, I've got a fantastic guest for you. Uh, I've got Harry Spade. He is the author of Selling with Dignity, and we're going to dig into Harry's experience. Harry's a keynote speaker, coach, author of Selling with Dignity, uh, your formula for life-changing sales results. So we are definitely going to get into that, and I know we're going to pull lots of learning lessons out of Harry's experience. Harry, welcome to the show. Oh, Colin, it's great to be here, man. What's a good word? Ah, man, just uh, really uh, pumped to talk about the book. Um, you, you know, I feel like you're talking about the book and then boom, the book was out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no messing around. Of course, the book only consists of three pages, so it's pretty easy to write. I mean, did you write humor. it in a week, over a weekend or what? <laughs> no, it's actually a, a nine-month process, so... Mm. I thought writing a book would uh, actually, I had no idea, but I mean, I was thinking it's going to take a year, then I was thinking it's going to take a few months, and then it worked out to be almost a year. So nice. Yeah. Nice. So, so let's dig into your story here a little bit. What, uh, what was, what was the early, early career of Harry Spade? Well, thank you very much, first of all, for having me on your exciting program. I think you're a real pro and anyone that's working with you, uh, is doing great things, I'm sure, based on your influence. So early Harry Spate, uh, out of high school, shortly after high school, I became involved in mission work. So I had a calling that I listened to, um, which eventually led me to uh, great places like uh, East Berlin to chip away at the Berlin Wall. Uh, the former Soviet Union, which was St. Petersburg, Russia, but, but at the time they're also known as Leningrad. And then mm. uh, after that experience, those two, um, I convinced my lovely bride of uh, six years to move to the Dominican Republic. And there we uh, did mission work there for a couple of years, um, which was a great experience. So that was uh, the early life. And then when uh, the children thing came up uh yeah. i had to get a real job and so that the thing i knew best was how to converse and communicate so that was a natural for sales so here i am wow okay how many kids do you have so we have three and they're uh now uh, young adults aged 19 21 and 23 
So we started, um, most, most people my age have grandkids. So when they find out, uh, I still have a 19 year old home. It was like, is this your first marriage? And it's like, uh, yeah, I just was older <laughs> when we started having kids. So, but it was a great, it was fun. I recommend it, right? Instead of having children right away when you get married, um, travel the world and do some fun things together and get to know your spouse and, uh, good things can happen. So. I know, man. My my wife will. Uh, I mean, love my kids. I got three, and I got four. Number four on the way. Oh, congratulations! Uh, yeah, thank you. And uh, I wish we would have took a. You know, I wish we would have took a little bit more time to enjoy each other. We were just like, just you know, did the kid thing pretty quick. Yeah. Um, my wife wanted to wait, and I was like, ah, oh, let's just try, see what happens. I was like, oh, <laughs> it could take years, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, we had a lot of friends that it just wasn't didn't happen so easy for them, and yeah. we didn't know, and we thought, hey, let's give it a shot, and then we're like, oh wow, this is happening now. <laughs> Your kids now are all they're all really young, and they're like kind of close together in age, right? Is that if I recall? Yeah, from fairly our close podcast? together. My, my yeah, my first two are fifteen months apart. So okay, they're like best friends when they're not beating on each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's great! And how old are they? Yeah. Six, five, three, and then new one coming in March 2022. All right. So it's going to be a even louder house. I'm uh, I know. projecting, but yeah, it's exciting. Good for you. Yeah, it's hard. It's already hard. It's hard to find a quiet space now. But um, all right. So <laughs> so after so after the mission work, which you know sounds like you had some some great experiences there, and you clearly already had a knack for sales, convincing your wife to travel around and do some crazy things right and marry me yes <laughs> well yeah yeah of course that's I, yeah you'll have to tell me the the trick on that one but uh so so then you you, you just kind of went into sales and uh what was your experience with that what were you selling you know yeah. was there so what did, what did you find anything you know difficult about it well, I think the most difficult thing, so a couple things. One is I, uh, for a minute, I took a, uh, a job because I didn't know anything about business. I, I had a small janitorial business, house painting business to support the mission work. So I, you could not say I had business acumen. That would be a real stretch, right? I worked hard. I did my, you know, whatever I was doing, I did it to completion and I was pleasant with people. But having business acumen, knowing anything about a computer, Microsoft, I had to have someone help me with a resume, all of that stuff. But like my first quote unquote sales job, I ended, I was in a hotel room and I know that sounds bad. <laughs> but there's it's like a conference room and everyone breathing that wants to spend $300 to get a sales job selling insurance got the job. So I, I did that for a few weeks and realized that, you know, being in people's homes at night was not what I wanted to be doing. So I ended up trying to get a job in B2B sales and with no, now you can experience this, but times were different. I had no college degree and we're talking in the late mid mid nineties. That was really frowned upon. So mm. wherever I was interviewing, the first thing they asked was, you know, what's, where'd you go to school? You know, what's your degree? And, and I, I, I did mission work. Does that help? Uh, not necessarily. Right. 
Yeah, so you that sound was like a real a nice challenge. Guy. Sales, he sounds like you're a nice guy. Sales is probably not for you. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's a chapter in my book. There's one lady that actually tried to talk me out of sales, and she says, you're too nice for this. Oh, right? Wow. That's what she kept saying. And, you know. Spoiler alert. I hadn't even read the book. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's, it's common, right? I mean, I've interviewed people and I've wondered, you know, as I became a sales leader, you can be super nice, but you still need to ask for the order. And some nice people, I mean, I, I consider myself nice, you're nice, but I'm not afraid to ask for the order. How about you? Yeah. No, I don't have trouble asking. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, but, you know, I, I wrote a blog recently about, you know, uh, I was more talking about, you know, uh, turning people into brand ambassadors and about referrals. And, you know, you got to earn the right to ask for referrals the same way you got to earn the right to ask for the business. Yeah. So, you know, anybody can anybody with a pulse can ask for the order. But if you haven't done the work prior and earned the right to ask for the order, pretty good chance you're not going to get it. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, on the other side of the coin, Colin, you probably have experienced this, is that people are so servant minded. They just want to serve, serve, serve. And yeah. then they actually let someone else get the order, which, you know, uh, it, it's the, the challenge with those types of people is they don't want to hear the word no. They don't want to dis be disappointed. They're such people pleasers. But that's the fine line. Um, that we can please people, but we still have the right to ask for the business. Yeah, yeah. I, I th somebody told me once the difference between people who want to actually want to help people uh, or want to please people or actually serve people versus want to please people is the difference between somebody that will, uh, you know, not it won't tell you if you got something stuck in your teeth. Are you making? Wait a minute now. Do I need to check? Am, am I okay? Hey, You're making me nervous. Note, note to edit there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. So that spinach uh, I had for lunch. Uh, I'm yeah, thinking, you know, yeah, some okay. the people that are people pleasers, they won't tell you. They'll just let you walk around with food, food in your teeth. But you know, people who genuinely want to help and serve, they'll, they don't. You know, they don't mind those uncomfortable moments or situations where they might say, "Hey, you know, you got something," or or your flies down. You know, right. Yes. Example, yes. You know. Um, all right. Exactly. So, so That's you, great. So, so you. Um, you told me about the story there in the hotel. I was I was a little concerned what direction that was going to go. You started out <laughs> right, but, yeah. uh, but so you you then got into B two B, and 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 what was your experience there? I mean, you had no sales experience prior, other than that short yeah. stint in something you realized you didn't want to do. You know what was what was uh, challenging for you? Yeah. So in so the former world of being a missionary and coming out into sales. Someone handed me a book called The Greatest Salesman in the World by Og Mandino. Are you familiar with it? I'm not. Okay. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's uh, 4 million copies are in, been produced over the years, a whole bunch of languages. And in that book, um, there's a, it's, a, it's really an, a story about a young man who cleaned up after camels, wanted to become a salesperson. He was given some scrolls to read, eventually got the gig, and he was given a bunch of scrolls to read. And one of the scrolls was, I will succeed with love. So here I was, missionary, 
is all about serving people. And then I'm going to bring love into the world, into the corporate environment. So you can imagine. All right. So I'm probably 10 years older than virtually everyone else in the room, including managers. So if you think of Wolf of Wall Street, classic bullpen stuff, right? Pursuit of happiness, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, bullpen activity. Here I was, I'm like, wow, talk about culture shock. And I tried to buy into it, you know, just the pressure, the calling, you know, and then I would listen to sales reps say things like that they'd be at their manager's door and I was right outside the manager's office and I would hear things like, we got to close them. You know, we're going to drop the price, whatever we need to do. And, and those were the things that were being done. And I'm like, man, I'm not sure I could do this. So that was a real challenge for me, to say the least. Um, and then you know, ultimately, I don't want to keep going here too much, but, sh- you know, I figured out that I could do things differently. And that's where that whole bringing, you know, those ancient principles from the mission work into sales uh, helped me to take off, to say the least. Yeah. So uh, when everybody that you're around was doing things not the way that you were comfortable doing, um, how, how did everybody else feel about that? <laughs> well, I, yeah. Well, so I, in the beginning, I was like Ofer, right? Every month I was writing zero. So, you know, again, a lot of weird things were going on. Me learning a new business, constantly being asked by the owner of the company, what are we going to write today? How many machines? So I was selling printers that cost anywhere from $20,000 to $100,000. And how many of those are you going to sell today? And I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know what was normal. What did good look like? I was pretty sure zero was not good. So at the end, uh, 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 at the end of every month, um, for like four or five months, I had zeros. So that was not fun. You want me to sell multiple of these a day? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I was thinking I might be able to sell one for the month (laughs) or one for a year. I mean, I had no idea. Again, I had no business acumen. I had to learn how companies would even use such a beast, right? So you're talking a six foot long printer that weighed, you know, 500 pounds and was going for, you know, $50,000, you know, that's not like everyday shopping, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so what, what, uh, and so something you mentioned that I know is probably covered in the book, but what are some of those principles from the, the mission work that you brought into the way that you, uh, you know, sold in the, in your relationship with your prospects and your customers? All right. So have you ever been told, Colin, that you act and sound and look like a salesperson? Or do people say things like, you know, I like you because you don't act like a salesperson? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can tell you people are usually pretty nice to me to my face. I don't know what they say when I'm not around. <laughs> but, <laughs> but however, you know, I early on in my sales experience, uh, I learned a lot of bad habits in sales mm-hmm. and I was a commission breath, transactional, what's okay. in it for me yeah. type of seller. And yeah. that's because that was the environment that I was in. Uh, and you know, I had some success and then, uh, you know, I kind of got so far and hit yeah. a ceiling and didn't really love the way that I was feeling about how I was, um, you know, 
not really building relationships with people, but just very transactional mindset. And so I had to unlearn a lot of those things and sort of seek out new ways of doing things that felt more aligned for me. Yeah. And so those same things are probably the same principles that I got out of the mission life. So simple things like listen more than you speak would be one example, right? Uh, Showing that you had empathy, right? So I would listen to others who would ask questions and it would be question, next question, right? Question, response, next question, not question, response, empathetic conversation, right? You know, and that's those types of things are are sadly, even today are sadly missing with people. Yeah. I mean, sales conversations are, you know, people are so quick to look for the silver bullet or the perfect script or the perfect set of questions, or, you know, this is how you run discovery. And, 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 Mm -hmm. and the reality is, is every person, every situation, every company, there's just too many things that are dynamic to have, let's say one, one size fits all in every situation. Absolutely. So there are so many variables in the, you know, the each selling opportunity, each relationship. So that concept of, and again, it's the golden rule. We all know it, treat others the way you would want to be treated. And someone recently said, how about we treat others the way they want to be treated, which I like even more. So I should change that chapter in my book, but it's, you know, it's being relatable and relating to other people you know, understanding what their challenges are versus I'm here to sell you something, yeah. right? And that's where I think a lot of people miss it in sales. Yeah, like, and it's and it's yeah. even deeper, like their challenges, their challenges may or may not tie back to what you do. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. and well, you so know, many people- Yeah, so what do you do with that, right? What do you do in this day and age compared to what you did years ago? So let's talk a little bit about what most people do, okay. <laughs> which is more wrong, right? All right. You know, they go through their questions and, you know, they're, what, what is most important for them to solve right now is not relatable to their product or can't tie back to their product mm-hmm. or their service. So they typically dismiss those people and move on. Like, hey, you know, it sounds like, you know, that's not a priority for you. <laughs> Goodbye. See you later. Yeah. Uh, on, you know, they're just in hunter mode. Hunter, hunter, yeah. hunter, 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 hunting for, you know, somebody that has a little bit of an inkling of a problem that can tie back to their product, right? Yeah. Um, or or they try to force it, mm-hmm. right? So there's two two different, you know, possible scenarios of how sellers approach that situation mm-hmm. uh, in a not in the not right way. Yeah. Okay. And so the right way to actually do it is to help them, regardless if it ties back to your product or service. Now you can't always do that. Um, I'll give you a perfect example, right? So what do I do? We sell podcasting services. We manage, produce, promote, grow, launch, consult, get people on shows, whatever. Podcasting is our world. Mm -hmm. Um, And I reached out to a prospect that had had some interest at some point. And uh, he's like, hey, we really do want to start a podcast, but it's in, you know, Q1 of next year is really kind of, we've we've got Mm -hmm. other priorities, right? So in that scenario, I could, Move on. Cool. Hi, I'll check back in. I'll check back in Q1. Right. Okay. Typical salesperson. Yeah. Uh, no. I said, what type of people are you know what what are, what are your priorities right now? There it's you like go. We really need to. We have this problem of delivering what we do, and we need to hire this particular type of person to solve that. 
great. Yeah. What is what skills does that person have? What are you looking for? And I introduced him to some people that would be good candidates to fill that role. Nice. So, which had nothing to do with what I do. Yeah. But when that particular person is does need what I have, there's a pretty good chance I'm going to be the pers- first person he thinks of. But even better than that, if he comes across somebody that needs what I have or what I do, pretty good chance he's going to send them my way, regardless if we ever even work together. Right. And so a lot of sellers think like, oh, I can only ask for referrals if somebody bought from me. And it's not really true. You, if you do the right thing and you help people, you can actually build people who want to help, build an army of people that want to help you. Absolutely. That's great stuff. And you know, the, uh, you know, what my belief is that even if the person never reciprocates, maybe that person doesn't give you a referral, you benefit, right? By being that type of person, right? Your, your mindset, for instance, you know, when I see you on social and I see what you're doing based on the fact that you're constantly giving advice, helping people, you know, you're a guy that a lot of us would want to do business with. It's not just, it may not be at the moment, but it's definitely, you're building a pipeline, which you may not even realize that someone's in the pipeline because they, they're they not indicating they want to buy from you, but because of the acts of kindness and the good things that you're doing, people are saying in the back of their mind, that's a guy I want to do business with someday. Yeah, and sellers are starting to wake up to the fact that like their reputation matters and doing things like this matter. The problem is it's not trackable for the sales bosses, for the the dashboard jockeys. Um, you know, they can't track, Hey, Harry was, Harry was a good person 15 times today. And that created (laughs) 22 opportunities. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's not trackable in the CRM. So it's typically not part of the sales training program. Right. Yeah, that's it. It's, uh, you know, that is a challenge. And uh, I had to face uh, similar, you know, similar things. Uh, But, you know, it's depends on where you're working. You know, what is the culture like? And, you know, some are going to buy into it and others, not so much probably. Yeah. The interesting thing, a lot of the sellers that I talk to that I feel are doing sales the right way, uh, they typically have a similar story to yourself where they're like, I just did Exactly opposite. Of exactly. <laughs> yeah, I did take a lot of the good. So I mean, there was some great things I've learned, but yeah. it was the style and approach um, that I just wasn't. I was never going to take away the sale in the sense that this is the last day this offer is valuable, uh, valid. Right? It's the end yeah. of the month, end of the quarter. I never believed that stuff, so I couldn't say it. Right. Yeah. And people, people, people don't buy that anymore. That high yeah. pressure, you know, super urgent urgency clothes, <laughs> yes. you know, um, and also it, it devalues you, the seller, your company, yeah. the solution and the product or service that you sell. Like, <laughs> and, and ultimately it just pisses prospects off. Cause they're like, geez, Harry, why didn't you give me that deal when you originally sent it over? Like, yeah. you know, there's, it creates a lot of distrust. Yeah. I mean, everybody likes a good deal, but 
you know, what they like more than a good deal is, uh, you know, good value for, from, from you and your company. And, 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 and you can do that without discounting. <laughs> yeah. Without question. I just had this funny experience, um, related to, you know, the, the world of office technology, printer sales. And I still work with a company a couple days a week. And one of my associates, uh, someone I've worked with for years outside of our company said, look, can you come help us with copiers here? And mm -hmm. long story short, the person who was selling competitively was selling the same gear, same equipment that I was selling. The price difference was somewhere around $1,500 a month. There was a $90,000 difference on the exact same equipment. On stuff that should go for around $50,000, they were selling for $140,000 to give you an idea. That's the that's yeah. selling with sleaze, not selling with dignity. Yeah. And when the person found out that there was competition, i.e. Harry Spate, in this situation, you know, I was doing a favor for this person, for the, the buyer, and she mentioned to him, he dropped his price $50,000. Then oh he described it as a mistake, right? There was a mistake in the first proposal. I'm going to drop the price. Then there was a promotion that was another $25,000. And then, oh, as fate would have it, there is yet another promotion I uncovered. There's so more. The buyer, there's more. I mean, it's like, wait, wait there's, there's more. That's right. But can you believe there's nothing in the world? I mean, yes, mistakes. You know, if you're making a $50,000 mistake, come on. So this is the nonsense that goes on within some sales organizations. They just do not care about the client and they're going to take advantage of them at every step. And, you know, God bless them, but that's not the way I feel like sales should be. Yeah. Yeah. So tell, uh, give us a little bit, um, I mean, give us a little bit of a high level overview of what people can expect in the book and then tell And then we're going to make sure to include a link in the show notes so that people can find the book, but give them a little sneak peek. What can they expect in selling with dignity? Yeah. So the selling with dignity is really coming from a place of service. This is all about serving others first and providing value. So what that means is I compare it to the server in a fine restaurant that is going around, you know, taking care of you at dinner, they're offering cocktails, wine list and so forth, service mentality, but they're still selling. And that's really the approach that we can take in sales. And then I compare it to virtually every aspect of sales is how we can serve first then the sales will eventually follow and it covers, you know, how to handle people's concerns, um, the use of questions, how to listen empathetically, how to ask for an order, how to close for next steps, you name it. It's really a A to Z hands-on guide, um, but it's done not with tactics. It's done with really just having core uh, values that show that you care about others. So that's kind of what it is. And um, so far the reaction has been very positive. So I'm very excited about that. Awesome. I'll make sure to drop the link so that you guys can get your copy of the book in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, please 
write us a review, share the show with your friends. It really does help us out. And as always, we're listening for your feedback. You can head over to salestransformation.fm and drop us any voice DMs over there and we'll make sure to get back to you. Hey, you stuck around. That tells me you're serious about your own sales transformation. If you're tired of doing things the old way and want to get started in your journey with other people on the same path, head over to salescast.community and crush your numbers on your leaderboard. Yeah, it's free. Salescast.community. Send me a DM with your best pitch and mention this ad, and I might even give you free access to our best templates.